0: To James, the book of James, chapter 1. James has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And, and sometimes you can see that because it feels sometimes a little disjointed. One verse or a couple verses, and then almost a shift here and a shift there. And, uh, but it's also that way because it's very practical, very down to earth uh daily living type of a book and that and that helps us but with those maybe feelings of being disjointed somebody a couple years ago helped me with this thought you can link it all together with this phrase how do i live my life by faith in this area how do i live my life by faith how am i supposed to follow the lord by faith in this area the area of temptation as is in verses 14 and 15 of this chapter or in relationships to other people in uh, chapter 2 or in uh, with my tongue in chapter 3 or what I'm supposed to do with my life and different things like that in chapter 4 so different areas you can you can put that same phrase how do I live my life of faith well he starts (coughs) excuse me he starts with how do I live my life of faith in my trials? And We're going to see that. We'll, we'll look in verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing." Right off the bat, he says in verse number one, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, specifically to Jewish people scattered. Why were they scattered? They were scattered because of persecution in, in Jerusalem. James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And so these people, because of the persecution that in large part, in, in many times, was led by uh, Saul before he was saved and became Paul. And this persecution was great. Now, as he's talking about trials, this brings up a thought. We might look at them and say, well, that was a tough trial. Imagine if today persecution came on the church in such a way that we were forced out of our homes and and had to go to all different kinds of places. Well, that's difficult because you may have to hurry and you may not be able to, you're definitely not going to be able to take everything that you want to take and you're going to throw it in suitcases and get in the car and go down the road. But imagine not having suitcases. Imagine not having a car. Imagine maybe you have a pack animal that can carry things, but you're severely limited. And even then, you're going to think, well, I've got to get down the road. I've got to get down to a friend's house or maybe a family member's house in some other town. But I don't know if they're supporting me or against me. And it could be that maybe a spouse has already been taken and put in jail. I don't know. And and it could be that that the family that you know that you have out there is against you they maybe you're afraid they might turn me in so where do you go that's a tough trial don't compare your trial with somebody else's trial it's not a good idea because you can either throw a pity party for yourself and think oh i'm so much worse than everybody else or you can say well this isn't that big of a deal and 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 then you're not relying on the grace of god because you think there's not enough grace for your trial but there's abundant grace there's plenty of grace There's several types of trials that we can get into. Sometimes for me, it's not the large trial. It's not the one that that you're in and it seems like, am I ever going to get out of this? This this, that I'm stuck in and I cannot seem to get out of this. How long am I going to be in this situation? Lord, are you ever going to give me an answer? Are you ever going to give me healing? Are you ever going to fix this problem that I'm in? Those are big ones. But then sometimes it's the small ones that just seem to add up throughout the day. Uh, When I am at home... Uh, Sometimes to to make ends meet, well, I I paint. And so I have a sprayer and and all that, and a couple months ago I had this job where I was spraying a ceiling, and I had to prime it first. I'm not a big fan of ceilings other than this one that are, this is different, you know, but a flat dry walled ceiling or textured that, that are different colors other than ceiling white. I'm just a big fan of ceiling white. It's your ceiling, you're not supposed to look at it, okay? but this one was a, imagine burnt mustard, okay? It was like that. So now you would know why they wanted to paint the ceiling, and, uh, but it was a vaulted ceiling. It was probably 20 some feet in the middle, maybe 30. And so I had, to, I had scaffolding and I had a sprayer and, and all that. And I, I, the, it was a new floor. And so I'd laid drop cloths all over it. And, and so... Uh, I would climb up the scaffolding and and I would start to spray and something was wrong with the sprayer. And so because of that, it was leaving these tails and you don't want the tails because that might show up. They might dry hard and then you've got streaks everywhere. And so I'm going down and I'm trying to fix it and I get back up and it works for 10 seconds and it stops working and I'm climbing down. And when I was younger, I didn't mind climbing up and down scaffolding, but you know, at at 39, 40, that's not what I want to be doing with my life is up and down scaffolding. Plus it's taking time. And and I'm thinking, I I don't really want to roll this ceiling. And and if I roll it, I'm going to have to trim it with a paintbrush. And I can't even get up as high as I need to. So I'm getting frustrated with this. And finally, I I come down and I I get it to to work enough. And then uh, I'm switching uh, switching around. And and when I did, I I moved the, the sprayer. And I didn't touch it. But the sprayer did, and I knocked over that bucket of, of, of paint. Yeah, and sure, I had a drop cloth, but still, there's that moment of panic. But I had watched a YouTube video that this guy, they dropped a bucket of paint, and he said, hey, this is not what we were planning on, but I'm just going to do a video on it. This is what you do. You don't panic. And uh, you, just, you just keep cleaning it. You just so I, That's what I said. I kept telling myself, don't panic. Just keep cleaning it. And the floor underneath, well, I was cheap, and I bought a cheaper drop cloth. And it kind of got through the drop cloth a little bit. So I had to scrub the floor and I'm scrubbing and it was, I don't know, sometimes scrubbing is easier. It wasn't carpet and that was a blessing, but it, still it was in these little tiny grooves. So that was frustrating me. So when I finally got it cleaned up and now the ceiling was done, I had to paint the, I had to paint, uh, wait, I'm skipping ahead. So I, I poured another bucket of paint in, it was white paint. And I looked at it and I, why is this white different than that white? And it was because I poured a bucket of my trim paint into my ceiling white. It's different. It's not the same. It's a different sheen. It's a different everything. So now I've, I just lost all the money that was that paint, and uh, so I had to. I had, to, and I'm frustrated. And I'm thinking, is this is this ever going to get better? But that whole day, it was one thing after another after another after another, and I was very frustrated. You know, that's a trial just like any other trial is. It's something that God puts you through. And He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Diverse, different kinds. They are all different kinds. Your trial may be different than mine. And I could compare and look at your trial and say, come on, that's not a big deal, but it's a big deal to you. Sometimes we're in trials that we think, if I explain this to somebody, they're not going to see it the same way I feel it. And that's okay. Because it is a trial for you now God is in control of all things but just because God is in control of your trial does not mean he's the cause of your trial and that's something that we can often blame God for today if you witness to a lot of people you'll meet some people that will call themselves atheists they'll say I don't believe in God and one of the reasons they say that they don't believe in God is because if god exists then why would all these negative things happen well that's the same thing so as a christian don't blame all the problems on god because i, I see it two ways either it's a trial that god has allowed you to be in he's caused the situation because sometimes god brings us into situations i think the burgies are going through a trial that is obviously out of their control so that's god god allowed them to be in it And it's in God's control. Hey, there's good news with that. That it's not your cause. You didn't cause it. And God, James gives us three principles here how we can pass our trials by faith. And the first we find in verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into divert self-control. Proverbs 25:28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. Back in those days, the wall was everything to the protection of the city. And if the wall was down, if the wall was burnt up or, or beat down, anybody could just come through and conquer that city. The defense was gone. And so what God is saying is that when we lose self-control over our attitude, that the devil can run roughshod on our lives and can control us. I remember, and we see it in sports, there are some players that if you can get in their head, they're done. If they get frustrated, they're done. I was just bowling. We were with a friend recently and bowling with some of his friends and one of them kind of elbowed me and said, all you got to do, all he has to do is get upset one time. All he has to do is throw one gutter ball and that's it for him. He, his head is out of the game. It's almost like he gives up until the next game. And some people are like that. We need to be self controlled. We need to be disciplined with this and say, Lord, this is what you ask for me, so this is what I'm going to do. I know it doesn't seem to make sense, but the Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not into our own understanding. I don't understand that why this is in my life and whatever I need to do to get out of it. I mean, it was in one of those situations where I was praying and I would say, Lord, whatever you want, you can have because I'm willing to do it. I just, I want to know the answer, get, get to my office. And, and then when I was done with certain things, I'd pick up my Bible and say, well, Lord, I'm going to read that next chapter because that was what, I, in my mind, maybe it's that next chapter and, and maybe I can get ahead and I can get there. And, and I would read the Bible just to look for that answer and I would pray. Many times, and it was one of those situations that I was kind of limited in who I could talk to about what was going on, and, and I just would kept going to the Bible. And one day I was really, I wouldn't say I was frustrated, but just burdened about it. And so I had a little blue couch in my office, and I, I knelt beside that couch. And after I'd been reading the Bible and I was praying about the trial, and sometimes when we pray, and somebody mentioned this to me last night, because we talked about prayer last night, that when we pray, God speaks to us. We're speaking to God, but God speaks to us. And that's what happened. And it's not an audible voice. It's just that strong assurance that this is what the Lord is saying to you. And if it's biblical, it's biblical. And I I was praying there, and the Lord said, if you weren't in this trial, would your relationship with me be as good as it is right now? Would you be seeking me like you are right now? And I said, no. And he said, well, for that reason alone, can you not count it all joy? And I thought, you know what, I can. And I was. I was glad in that moment for the trial that I was in because it was pushing me to the Lord. And many times that we're in a trial, that's exactly what God is doing. I could say that every time we're in a trial, God is drawing us to himself, and that brings us to a different point. Notice verse 3 Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, not just joyfully, but knowingly. Knowingly, sometimes it's what you know that can help you. I like to read and I like to read eclectically, just all different kinds of things, but I, I have a favorite genre of reading. I love biographies. Specifically, I love special forces, people, biographies. That's just, I, I just like it. For one of, the, one of the things is I love reading about their training and how difficult it is. And, and I find that when I read that, I can kind of evaluate my life and say, stop whining, it's not near what they're going through, and they're going through it voluntarily. You know, They're putting themselves through some difficult things. But as I've done some of that reading, I find that if a young man wants to be a Navy SEAL, uh, they will recommend you read certain books because they don't want you to show up and then find out this is not what you thought it was because it's surprising how many people do sign up to be a Navy SEAL and they start training and they find out this is a lot harder than I thought it was and this isn't anything that I thought it was going to be. And so they'll say, read these books and you'll find out a little bit about it and you'll find out if, if, if you're going to make it or not. And uh, one of those things is the, you're, you're going to go through nine months of training And the first hour of the first day is five o'clock in the morning. And among the things that you'll be doing, you'll be running into the ocean and getting completely soaking wet and then rolling in sand and then coming back to the, uh, I forgot what they call it, but it's like a a pad of concrete about the size of this room. And you lay on your back and you do flutter kicks and just kick your feet back and forth, stomach exercises. Now You're doing all that, but in the midst of that first hour, you will do 500 push-ups or you'll go home. 500, one hour, or you're going home. They want to weed out the the weaklings right away. They want to weed out the people that just say, well, that's not what I want to do. In the first hour of the very first day. Some of the other things that they do, uh, there is a time when, well, they'll they'll inspect barracks like any other service does, but they say that you will fail every time. Every time. And some say, uh, you'll, you'll have everything perfect, exactly like they asked for it. And they'll go in and they'll mess it up. And they'll come out and say, you failed. And some people will quit because of that. They'll say, that's not fair. You know what they say? If you think this isn't fair, wait till you're fighting in war, because that's not fair either. The things that you think are fair won't happen. You're going to lose a buddy and he did everything right. You might lose an appendage. You might lose an arm, a leg, or you might be wounded for the rest of your life. That's not fair. If you'll quit now when you think it's not fair, you'll quit then. And we don't want people that are going to quit at any time. When you know about that, you just think. All of us know about that now. And so if, if we were to put his eyes back on Christ and call to Him, hey, if you've fallen in your trial, that's okay. Get back up. You can do that. Get your focus back on the Lord. And remember that it's your faith that is being tried. Your belief in what, who God is and what He has said and what He has done and what He can and will do for you. And that's what God wants. Again, He's drawing us to Himself so that we can keep our focus on Him and keep walking in that direction. And as you go through trials with your faith on Him, you will be stronger because of it. And that's that's another thing. That knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh. It does something to you. It helps you. It strengthens you. So we know that it's trying our faith. We know that it will accomplish something if we keep our faith on Him. Let's ask this question. Who is it that is doing the trying? Do you think it's the devil? No. Do you think it's the world? No. They may be involved in trying to make it worse, but who is doing the work on your life? It's God. Being confident in this very thing that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. He is going to continue to work on your life. And it's not all going to be the most fun experiences. It may be a trial, but that's what God is using in your life. Don't use that as an excuse to bail. And say, well, it's hard. It's difficult. I didn't like how this turned out, so I'm going to run away. Understand that it's, you're, you're going to be stronger because of it. That's why they—that's why those special forces guys go through the training that they go through. Because they know when I get through this, I'll be better for it. I'll be stronger. I'll know, hey, I can do that again. One of the things that they say is, th- that they call it a revolution, that a set of training. And it might be for an hour, it might be for two hours, but it's going to end. You know that it's going to end. Just go to the end of it. Don't quit in the middle of it go to the end of it. And they say, hardly anybody quits in the middle. They or hardly anybody quits at the end of the revolution. They quit in the middle of it. So they say, you can go another 10 minutes. You can go another hour and they're putting there. You're burning so many calories. They will feed you. They will feed you every meal and you can eat as much as you want. So just go to the next meal. And other than one week, you're going to get sleep. <laughs> you're going to get sleep. Just go to the next night you can make it go to the next verse go to the next step go to the next service one thing at a time because of things that you know first corinthians 10 13 is a very good verse for a trial there hath no temptation taken you same word that's used there is no temptation no trial taken you but such as is common to man and god is faithful He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God is not going to allow something in your life that you cannot handle. It might seem like you can't handle it, but you can handle it as as long as your grip's on Him. So we know that God is working on us, that there will be growth because of it, that it is our faith that is being tested. You can trust the Lord. You can pass it. It does work something. Job said in, in Job chapter 23, my favorite chapter of the book of Job, Job saying if I, were to, if I were to go before God, I would fill my mouth with arguments. And he's not saying that I would give God a piece of my mind, but he would, he would go to God and say, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand why. Can you, can you give me answers? And he says in verse 8, I go forward and he is not there and backward and I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him on the right hand, but I can't, I can't find the Lord. Everywhere I look, I can't find Him. I know He's there. I know that He's doing work on me. And verse 10 says, But He, God, knoweth the way that I take. And when He hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God is doing something. He's doing something in my life. And I don't necessarily know what it is. I don't necessarily know how long it's going to be. But I can trust that God is doing something in my life and that He will accomplish it in His time. You can pass your test joyfully. You can pass it knowingly. And lastly, you can pass it, we'll see in verses 3 and 4, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Yeah, we didn't want to talk about that. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You can pass your trial by faith patiently. Patiently. I, I, my wife in some ways thinks I'm a patient person, but there's other ways I know that I'm not a patient person. I mean, I think there's all all of us, there are certain areas of our life that we're okay with, and then other things that really, really bother us. Um, sometimes it is traffic, I'll admit it. Sometimes it's just, you know, somebody pulls over in front of you. this This drives me crazy, okay? People that pull in front of me because they're going faster than me, and then they get in front of me, and they slow down. The other day, I don't remember where we were. They, this this person did that and then uh, I'm like, "What? Why why did you do that?" I mean, it was like significant 8 miles an hour significance. And I'm on cruise control. And so so I I was like, "All right, fine." So I passed them. As soon as I passed them, they did the same thing. Passed me, got in front of me and slowed down. And I was like, "I don't understand." You know, I'm I'm like, I want to look at them as I'm driving by. Like, did I do something to you? Because I don't, I don't, I've just been on cruise control the whole time here. But I get frustrated with that. And I don't know what you call it here. I better ask. Um, (laughs) Is it a department of motor vehicles or a bureau of motor vehicles? Department. Department. Okay. I lived in a state that was the bureau. And let me tell you, it was better than any department of motor vehicles. It was great. Indiana was fantastic with it. Nobody works there, right? Okay, good because I'm about to say some negative things about that department. In North Carolina, it's terrible, and you guys know, it. and I don't know if they do this here, but there, you have a license branch and you have the, the DMV. You can't get your driver's license at, yeah, no, you get your driver's license at a different place that you get your license plates. And you register your vehicle at a different place that you get your driver's license. And so, and both of them are a pain to work with. And you know how that is. They, They they tell you you need all this paperwork, and so you go with all the paperwork you could come up with, and there's always one thing that you don't have that they want. And and you always have to wait forever at ours. I mean, it's bad. And so you think, you don't want to wait for an hour and get there and find out you don't have the one document they want you to have. I mean, that's usually what happens. And so people tell you, well, show up before they open. So I showed up like 30 minutes before they were open, and so had like 20 other people you know before i got there and so uh, it's so frustrating and when we first moved there you show up to one and they say well you got to go there first i didn't just wait 45 minutes for you to tell me that and then several years ago we bought a vehicle and uh, so we went in and i had the marriage license i didn't know if they needed it but i was like i'm going to make sure i've got it i had our i think i had both of our birth certificates and our So so I just took every document that I had that I thought was important in identifying who I was and brought it. And so I, I lined it up. She was there. We, you know, brought the kids with us, waited in line with the kids. I set her documents up in a row here and my documents set up in a row there. And I was like, here's my, here's my paperwork. Let's get that title ready to go. And so uh, she said, well, we can put you on it, but we can't put her on it. And I'm like, why can't you do that? She said, "Well, she wasn't present when you bought the vehicle, so what we're going to have to do is we'll apply for the title and then it'll be in your name and they'll send it to you and then you bring that back in and then we can put her on it." And I'm like, "Why can't we do that right now?" Right? I mean, I got the marriage license, right? What's what's the big what's why don't we save some bureaucracy and red tape? Okay? Why don't we save everybody some time and just pretend that she's on the paperwork from the from the dealer, right? Can we do that? And uh, no, we we can't do that. I literally owned the vehicle the whole time I owned it. I didn't know this until I sold it, that we never took it back in to get her on it, which was probably a bad thing, but it didn't cause a problem. Those things, I don't have much patience for that because that does not make any sense in the world to me. Why would we do that? Why would we spend the time, the effort and the money, the paperwork to do those things? When I was young, I thought, you know, I would see people in a doctor's office or a DMV and I hated it. You know, I'm here and it's not even my, it's not even my health issue or it's not even my vehicle as a kid. And so I was just antsy and of course you didn't have phones then and all those kind of things. And, and I would look at adults and I would think, they look like they're okay with this. And so I thought maybe when I'm an adult, I'll, I'll know what it's like, I'll be able to wait, I'll be able to be patient, you know that's not true (laughs) i i thought that i thought that patience was the ability to wait and that's not true either patience is the ability to wait with the right attitude yeah it's the ability to treat other people with the right attitude but in a trial we don't want to have the right attitude that takes again a choice that i'm going to rely on god to help me to do the thing that He's asking me to do. The trying of my faith works patience. And then I need to let patience have her perfect work. That word patience here literally means to remain under. Oh, we don't want to remain under. We We don't go to the DMV just to sit so that we can learn how to be patient. We don't choose the trials that we're in so that we can learn how to wait on God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I think it's I know this is English, okay? And not in the original language it was written. But that verse when I think about that verse, I think about a waiter or a waitress. You know all about that, don't you? So I'm I'm you did a great job today. So this is perfect, okay? Cuz we went and had some coffee. I think in my mind a good waiter or a waitress, they're ready to fill your cup of coffee and you did. It's it, it wasn't even empty and it was being filled somebody that's paying attention to what's going on are they standing in a corner and doing nothing no they're busy they're busy when we wait on the Lord we shouldn't stand in a corner and just wait for God to do the work but we should be busy serving him we should say okay Lord I'm in this but I'm in this for you you've got something planned for me okay Well, we're going to get through it. I'm not going to focus on myself. Anytime you're in a a heavy trial, don't focus on yourself. Focus on somebody else. You've got negative things happening in your life. You want want joy back in your life? Then go serve others. That's what's going to bring that back. Patience. Waiting actively on the Lord. In our church in Indiana, there was a lady that when we first arrived, I, I noticed... She had a bandage on her left arm, and and she uh, she was difficultly playing the piano. And uh, I knew that she was a nurse at the hospital. Come to find out, what happened to her arm? uh, She's also very accomplished builder, and she just has a lot of talents in those things. So there was a man in our church that was building a barn behind his house, and she was helping him. And so I struck up a conversation with her, and I asked her, I said, how did how did this happen? And she said, well, she said, I was helping Brother Dunfield and I, uh, I broke a rule that I knew I shouldn't do. And she said, I was cutting some sheet metal with a, with a circular saw and uh, I was wearing loose clothing. And she said, and part of my hoodie got caught in that blade and it pulled that circular saw into my arm and it cut her pretty bad. They said I'll, They said I would never be able to use my fingers. And so she can play the piano, but I don't think she can bend her fingers and she has to play a little differently, but it's proficient. She's still proficient in playing the piano. And she was still a nurse through, through much of that time. And come to find out that wasn't the only trial that she had in her life. In fact, she has three children and many years before that, Uh, She and her husband both worked in the hospital. Uh, She was a nurse in the ER and he was a doctor in the ER. And some man, for some unknown reason, walks into the ER and pulls a gun and starts pulling the trigger. And her husband was shot and killed right there in the ER. So here she is, a single mother trying to raise three kids. One of them, the youngest, ended up with major kidney issues and had to have a replacement and had to go through all that process. And there were a couple other things. So... That's the context of what I know of this woman. And I remember early on, there was a testimony service. I remember she was sitting right near us. And it was just a, just a brief testimony. And she said in that testimony, she said, and she didn't say anything about her life. She just said, I've just learned that God loves me and God has the right to do anything He wants to with me. And she sat down. I was like, wow. You're not going to find that in any theological dictionary under the sovereignty of God. But from a personal perspective, you cannot have a better view of the sovereignty of God. That God loves me and has the right to do anything He wants to with me. But she had learned that, you know what, no matter what has happened in my life, I still love God because He loves me. And I'm willing to go through anything that He wants me to because He loves me. When you have that perspective, you can go through a trial and be patient. God, I know that You care about me. I know that You're here with me. I know that You're working on me. I know that You want me to just trust You in this. And Lord, because of all that, I will be joyful. I'm going to choose to be patient through this. Lord, it doesn't make much sense and I don't understand it, but I'm going to allow You to draw me close to You. And Lord, there's going to be times when I'm tempted to escape but help me not to escape, but to remain under, knowing that you're here with me. Would you do that? Would you take your trials as God has through James told us to be joyful, to be knowing that He's working, and to be patient with your heads bowed and eyes closed? I don't know what trials in your life, and maybe nobody does but you, but God does know. And I believe that God used this passage in your life to encourage you and to challenge you to stay the course. To trust Him. To choose to be joyful and to choose to be patient. To have the right attitude through it. And maybe God has spoken to your heart and you say, Preacher, that's me. God has spoken to my heart about the trial that I'm going through. If that's you, would you raise your hand? God has spoken to me about the trial that I'm going through. Praise the Lord. Would you say, Will you take this time to recommit yourself to God through this? Maybe you sit here today and you say, Preacher, I, I have trials and maybe I'm in a trial, but right now the, the real need of my life is to know Christ as my Savior. There's never been a time where I came to God and said, God, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Would you save me? If that's you, would you raise your hand? I just I don't want to point you out. I just want to say thank you for that. Anywhere at all, you'd say, I need to be saved and I want to raise my hand as a testify to that. Would you pray for me, Preacher? I need to be saved. Anywhere in the room. All right, would you stand to your feet with me as a